0: Let's all stand. We're going to worship together. Lord, we just want to invite you in our hearts, Lord, to be preeminent
1: in our hearts. Lord, thank you that it is your idea that we
0: would gather together as believers. And we just simply want to enter into that amazing place, that wonderful place of worship. So, Lord, we, we just invite the, not only your presence, but that indwelling presence heart of worship, so that as we sing these songs, it's not just songs we're singing, but we're literally lifting up our heart, our mind, our soul, all that we are to you, the living God. So, Lord, we just delight in you. We thank you so much for the privilege of drawing near to you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Let's sing together. There was a moment. There was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory The King of Love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners
3: Every household represented God, and maybe even as a symbol to Him this morning, you might even want to reach your hands out to Him, as a little child reaches for their mom or papa to say, "I have need."
1: i
0: that you will never let us down. You are good. You are faithful. We can put the full weight of our trust in you, believing you wholeheartedly without reservation without holding anything back, Lord God. We just want to believe that and know that that is true. So I pray, God, God for just a blessing upon those who are struggling with that revelation. God, that you would uh, help them to reflect on their past when you have been so faithful, Lord. So it's hard to, hard to believe sometime for the future, the pres- or excuse me, the present, or the, even the future, but we can reflect on the past, and then we can look at the scripture and know of your faithfulness, Lord. You never let your people down. So help us to internalize that truth today, we pray. Be glorified as we do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. And if you are in fifth grade or above, you are dismissed to your class fifth grade or above you can go ahead and go to your class (laughs) you're what you're in fifth fifth you are if you are in fifth grade through 12th grade you can be dismissed if if you're above 12th grade you have to stay in church (laughs) should have made that more clear absolutely should have made that more clear we're in 1 Timothy chapter 5 today. We're going to get through the whole chapter today. I was, As I was kind of thinking about the message this morning and uh, praying about, you know, kind of wanting to get God's heart for the message, uh, I decided to go out into the garden and just do some praying. We've, uh, we've got this garden in front of our house. It's kind of like the secret garden, it's been in the making for decades now, and it's just really beautiful. And as I was walking around the secret garden and uh, just admiring the beauty, the flowers, and all of the hard work that my wife and mother-in-law put into it, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I saw this little yellow thing in the garden, and it was an Easter egg (laughs) that was left behind from the Easter egg hunts. In our family, the little kids get an Easter egg hunt, and then the next generation of kids, which would be my kids, if you're, you know, the 20 to 30 year olds, they get an Easter egg hunt, but in their Easter egg hunt, there's money inside the eggs. And so it's, you know, it's a lot of incentive for our kids, our 20 and 30 year olds to go and find eggs. Well, it just so happened that uh, they missed an egg, but I got to it and it had already been opened up probably by my dog, by, uh, by Jolene's dog. I'll say Jolene's dog. is more her dog than my dog. And then the Kit Kat that was inside that was all taken out as well. And the rapper, I saw the rapper nearby. And so I'm trying to pray, but now I'm thinking Easter eggs, right? I'm thinking there's probably more Easter eggs where there's one, there's more. And I know that if it's, um, if I find some, I might find some money. So I look it around trying to, trying to pray, but distracted, right? So I find another Easter egg and I crack it open and it's got a $2 bill in it. Some pretty good deal. So I keep looking, (laughs) I keep looking. I found another Easter egg, but this one had a $20 bill in it. Then I keep looking and I find another Easter egg and it's also got a $20 bill in it. So now I'm $42 richer. And you know what I'll be doing after church looking for more Easter eggs, right? (laughs) So in reality, this money does not belong to me because it really belongs to the kids who were supposed to find it. So Jolene, I want you to come get this and then take it to Steven back there. Cause he's my son and he's my, he's the one that probably should have found it. And, uh, so there you go, Steven, you get the 42 bucks. My first thought was this is going to buy me a round of golf, you know? But then I, you know, decided to give it to my kid. So as I was looking at all the, for, for the Easter eggs and praying about it and thinking about the message, I noticed there's like hundreds of snails out there as well. It's early morning and there's just snails everywhere. And um, I thought, I thought, we're, we're talking today about getting along with others out of First Timothy chapter 5. And I thought, you know, if we look hard enough, we can find beauty in every person. We can find beauty in every person, beauty that will help us to love people and get along with them, mo better. Or we can kind of keep our eyes on the snails who are kind of eating things up in the garden and things that we don't like. We can get distracted by the snails. Maybe maybe we say the warts that people have or the blemishes that people have or the problems that people have. But I think God wants us to focus on the positive things that God Uh, would have us to focus on within our relationships and so we're going to actually ask answer the question what are the five steps to getting along with others as we look at the scripture as we look and and what i like about a text like this is because as we look at jesus life jesus got along with everybody except for the religious leaders who were leading people astray he loved everybody whether they were uh, stuck in sin dealing with all kinds of stuff or whatever he attracted people who were broken who were in desperate need and he ministered to them and he loved on them and he cared for them and so he has asked us to do the same thing within the context of our relationships Uh, if we took a, a poll we could probably come up with all kinds of differences whether it be religious differences theological differences political differences whatever but the, hopefully, the common denominator for us is Jesus, and hopefully, the common deno- denominator helps us to love people the way that Jesus loves people. So that's the challenge for us today. Steps to getting along with others: First Timothy chapter five. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, who pastors a church in the town of Ephesus, and so Paul, a seasoned veteran in the ministry, is speaking to Timothy, who is newer to the ministry. And he's telling him, hey, this is how you deal with people. This is how you react and respond to people. This is how you love people as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in the verse 1, never speak harshly to an older man. The word there is presbyteros, it's elder. But in this context, Paul's not speaking about the office of elder. He will be later on. But he's right now speaking about just older men. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Maybe you're here today, you've got a rough relationship with your father, so this isn't helping you. <laughs> I had a rough relationship with my father for years. Uh, my dad hit the road when I was about two years old, and he, he never really looked back, and uh, never paid child support really, uh, never was involved in our lives much. And so I had as an adult to make the decision to Find the good in my father and rekindle that relationship, and we've done that. Now we speak on the phone about once or twice a week, and uh, um, there's there's something uh, beautiful about the decision to find the good in the people that are hard to find the good in. And the more I talk with my dad and meet with uh, you know see him, the more I find that there's good in him. Got a rough start, but there's good in him, and that's. The attitude that God wants us to have that Paul is speaking to Timothy about, he says, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Maybe So maybe there's a couple things going on here. Maybe God wants to do something in your heart regarding your relationship with your father, whether your father's still alive or past. God can do a healing in your heart, restoring uh, health to your heart concerning your father. And then maybe you've got... Uh, Older people in your life that you're having a hard time speaking to and dealing with respectfully just because they're difficult people Everything that god asks us to do in his scripture requires that we are filled with his power That we're filled with the the grace of god the holy spirit the power of god so that we can do what he's asked us to do So everything that god asks us to do requires Strength from god to accomplish it. So never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own fathers. Maybe you've got a difficult person, and you're saying, man, I'm having a hard time speaking respectfully with this person. Lord, would you help me? And so you go into the conversations, and you say, Lord, I'm going to speak to this person with grace and respect, and you're going to give me the grace to do it, and I'm grateful for that, and then you just move forward. The verse continues, talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. I thought about my relationship with my my full-blooded brother. I've got I got a full-blooded brother, I got two stepbrothers, and I got a (laughs) half-brother, so there's, I got a lot of brothers, and uh, I think, you know, I've, for 52 years, my brother and I've been connected, and uh, there's, there's something that happens over 52 years, there's a connection, a depth of relationship, um, um, a respect and a love that we share for one another. And this is kind of the example that Paul uses as he writes to Timothy, talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. And so talk to younger men there. We've got lots of young men around this church. I just went backpacking with a group of them a couple of weeks ago. And I tell you, there's, a, it's a stellar group of young men that we have in this church. And uh, Keegan's one of them. Keegan uh, is a young guy, senior in high school. He's in the loft right now um, running the soundboard in there. And then you'll often see him running cameras back there where my son Stephen is. And then you'll often often see him up here on the platform playing music. He's just serving everywhere. He's just a a stellar example of, of a young man. And uh, so as I think about younger men and talking to them as you would to your own brother, it's easy to talk with a guy like Keegan or the other stellar young men of our church with respect and with love. But then there's the young people in your life who aren't so stellar. And that's, again, difficult, right? Because there's, you know, as young men, we're often going through hard stuff and struggles, and it's hard uh, hard hard to relate to those young men. But again, by God's grace, as we... Address the young people in our lives with respect, with love, and with with kindness, and at times with a challenge to change or to grow up, then we can do it with the right heart and with the right mind. That's all in verse 1. Verse 2 says, treat older women as you would your mother. My mom goes to church here. She's right here on the second row. And um, my mom, uh, after my parents' divorce, worked hard, very hard very, very hard to make sure we had a roof over our head and clothes and food and all that sort of thing. And uh, I think about the the history and the past and all the stuff that she went through. And as I uh, think about other women, uh, older women in, in the church, I think people have a story. And I, I just, I think, what, I wonder what that person's story is. And then I think about my mom and I think I, I'm going to honor that person and love that person to the best of my ability and it says and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters so paul's a young guy or paul's an old guy talking to a young guy and uh timothy is a pastoring this church and so he's got this challenge to address the gals his age uh with all purity as he would his own sister and what a, what a great model for young people who are dating for guys in the way that they're supposed to treat women in their lives, You're supposed to treat them with all purity as you would your own sister. So with that perspective, purity is, is the of utmost importance in a relationship. And we have this responsibility as young people, young people have this responsibility to treat the women in their lives as their own sisters with purity and with dignity. Five steps to getting along with others. Number one, treat all people with respect. Treat all people with respect. Fathers, brothers, mothers, and sisters, treat everybody with respect, number one. Number two, take care of those truly in need. I just thought about a joke. As I was thinking about the Easter eggs, I thought about a joke. And so I thought I'd share a joke with you. How, how do you catch a unique bunny rabbit? Unique up on it. How do you catch a tame one? Tame way. <laughs> I was supposed to say that earlier in the message. Then I forgot about it. So I'm saying it now because it's kind of a heavy message. And so I wanted to throw in a joke there. Sounds good? <laughs> Number two, take care of those in need. Truly in need. Take care of... Or honor any widow who has no one else to take care uh, else to care for her, but if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God, so we actually have a spiritual responsibility as people in, in the Lord, people of the Lord, to take care of our parents and grandparents we we are uh, we have a responsibility especially with widows but if she has children or grandchildren their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them this is something that pleases the lord the fifth commandment what's the fifth commandment honor your father and your mother and this is the only command with a promise that that your life that you may have many days in the land the lord is giving you the fifth commandment honor father and mother So we have this profound responsibility and privilege to take care of those who have taken care of us. And it's really not just an option, it's actually a responsibility. So what's a true widow, though? Verse 5 says, Now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help. When I think about a true widow, I'm thinking about the prophetess Anna in Luke chapter 2. Um, when Jesus, I think it was when Jesus was being presented at the temple and this woman Anna was there and it says that she had been married to her husband for seven years and I believe in the text it says she was 84 years old and she spent all of her time in the temple praying and fasting and worshiping the Lord. She spent all of her time doing that. This is how she spent her widowed years. She spent all of her time worshiping, fasting, and Praying night and day. I think about another widow who was a part of our church for a lot of years. Her name was Frida Maroni. She's passed now. You guys remember Frida? We we called her Granny. We called her Granny. And uh, when Granny was still alive, I'd go visit her, and she she'd ask the question, "Why am I still here? Why won't the Lord take me home?" I said, "I don't know, Granny. I don't have any idea, but I know." that you have purpose as long as you're here in the earth i said so use this time to pray for your kids for your grandkids for your great-grandkids because she was i think she had she was close to 100 she had, she she was very old and had a lot of grandkids and so i said use this time to pray for your kids and grandkids and see what the lord will do And so she would agree, and I'd go back to visit her again, and she'd say, why am I still here? (laughs) I'd say, Granny, because you got some prayer work to do, so make sure that you're praying for your kids and your grandkids. And so when we got the call that she had passed away, we weren't surprised at all, but we were able to rejoice that the Lord was glorified in her life. A true widow, a woman who's truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help we got a bunch of widows in our church what are they called the sunflower girls sunflower group yeah wonderful group of gals and they gather and they spend time together and they enjoy fellowship together and um, they're using their lives to honor and glorify the lord verse six says but the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism So saying a widow who's living only for pleasure is actually spiritually dead. And I would say anybody who lives only for pleasure is actually spiritually dead because as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're actually called to purpose in this life. Now I encourage you to have a good time. We live here on the central coast of California and there's great hiking and surfing and biking and golf everywhere. There's all kinds of stuff to enjoy. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. In fact, I played golf on Friday. I got a call from a buddy of mine and, uh, he's like, Hey, do you want to golf this afternoon? Another pastor in the area. I'm like, what time? He said three. I said, how about three And I was like ready to go. Cause I'd been up since four o'clock that morning working on stuff. And so I was ready for some reprieve. So I get out there and we play golf together. And, uh, we had a great time, played nine holes out of Black Lake. And I, I beat him by 11 strokes. <laughs> I got, I never beat anybody by 11 strokes. I'm always the guy getting beat by 11 strokes, but I beat this guy by 11 strokes. So Anyway, yeah, brag bragging on myself a little bit. Sorry about that. Forgive me, Lord. You'll beat me next time by 11 strokes, but that's all right. So enjoy life, but blend it together with the purpose of God for your life. Enjoy what you do. I'm going to go backpacking with my two boys on, on Saturday next week. We're going to go backpacking and spend some time together. Enjoy life, but don't forget the purpose that God has called you to. Anyone who's living only for pleasure is spiritually dead, even while she lives or he lives. Verse 8 says, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. And so, again, we've got the spiritual responsibility to care for our loved ones. And so if you've got young kids and uh, people in your life, you've got a family, it's your spiritual responsibility to take care of them. Um, my dad was, and he watches the service every week. So, hey, dad. But he never paid child support. And we'll talk about it. He'll say, hey, I watched your service today. You probably didn't want me watching it today, did you? <laughs> but we've, we've got an open relationship. But, and then I know other people, younger people, who just refuse to support their family. And it just strikes a chord in me because it's our spiritual responsibility. First and foremost, this is how we disciple the next generation by being responsible people as fathers and as mothers. It's, it's how we disciple and point the way for the future next generations. We Explain, But then we live our lives in front of the next generation so they might know how to follow Jesus and how to trust Jesus and how to live their lives in a way that honors him and his word. And so if we're saying that we're Christians, but we're not doing what the Bible says, there's a conflict in the in the hearts and souls of our young people. And and we don't want to create that conflict. And so we have this responsibility, a spiritual responsibility to care for our loved ones. It says, if you don't do it, you're actually worse than an unbeliever. There's something there that we need to be paying attention to and aligning our lives with. Verse nine, a widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who's at least 60 years old. I appreciate this; It's very practical because it helps the church understand how we support widows in our midst and how to decide about how and if we support a widow in our midst. So, a widow must be, who wants to be put on the list must be a woman who's at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. So we get to kind of examine and evaluate someone's life. And no one's perfect, but there's some parameters here that we can use to help us make wise choices. 60 years old, faithful to her husband. Verse 10, she must be well-respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? and so you can examine that kind of list and decide, does this person meet the qualifications for to be on the the list of those that we help as as widows and then we make those decisions and Then he says in verse eleven, the younger widows should not be on the list." <laughs> So anybody under 60 should not be on. It's kind of nice that if you're under 60, you're considered a younger widow. That's kind of a good deal, right? So if you're under, that's a positive thing. No? All right. I think you're still young at 60, but whatever. Here we go. The younger widow should not be on the list because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ, and they will want to remarry. Then they would be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. And so apparently the pledge was, hey, if you're on the list receiving support from the church, then you're devoting yourself to the church, to the work of the church, to the Lord, to the work of the Lord, to what he would have you to do. And you're not going to remarry because you're on the list of receiving support. And so a younger widow might be tempted to remarry might have the urge and the desire to remarry, and so that's why they're not supposed to be on the list. Their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ, and they will want to remarry. Then they would be guilty of breaking their previous pledge, and if they are on the list, they will learn to be lazy, younger widows, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business, and talk, that struck a chord with somebody. (laughs) meddling in other people's business and talking about things they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them. So the the wisdom from Paul to Timothy says if you're a younger widow, get remarried. Go go enjoy your life, have a family, take care of your your uh, your, your your family don't don't uh try to get on the list of support from the church. You've got better things to do. Verse 15 says, for I'm afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan. Isn't that, that's a, that's a strong statement. Some have gone astray and now they follow Satan. So there's two, there's two paths in the earth. There's the narrow path that leads to life. And then there's the broad path that leads to death, to destruction. So you're either on one or the other path. There's not many paths. There's essentially two paths. There's only two paths. You've got the way to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so if you're not following Jesus in his path, you're actually following Satan in his path. Isn't that interesting? So there's no wiggle room there. Paul said, I'm afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan so they're they're either following jesus we're we're either following jesus in our lives or we've gone astray and now we're following satan we're being influenced by the enemy it's a strong statement and it should wake us up to the reality that in this life we 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 have a decision to make who am i going to follow in all of the all of the arenas of my life if i'm following jesus in all the all of the arenas of my life then i'm reflecting his word in my decisions and my words and my thoughts and my deeds everything is lining up and when i get out of line i'm quickly to confess quick to confess quick to repent and i'm getting right back in the line following jesus because he's my lord and my leader and so i want to follow my lord and my leader and apart from that i'm on this different path where i'm just kind of going to haywire and following whatever my flesh or the enemy compels me to follow you can't have both Verse 16, if a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. If a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church, Then the church can care for the widows who are truly alone. So you've got this powerful responsibility to take care of those who are truly in need. Number two, and number three, we have this responsibility to honor our leaders. And it's easy for me to talk about this at Harvest Church because you guys do that. I really feel like you honor us and in the way that the scripture says. And uh, it, honestly, it, it makes it fun to work here, it's fulfilling to work here for all of the leaders and all of the staff. It says here, elders who do their work well, elders, presbyteros. Now we're talking about the, those who carry the office of elders. Um, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well and thankfully, from the beginning i 've been on staff here for uh, seventeen years, going on eighteen years and from the beginning, this board has always taken care of my family with just decent pay with good pay, and with uh, how many know this is an expensive place to live <laughs> right and honestly we don 't want to we don 't want to call people to our team and pay them at a poverty level and expect them to serve with joy and serve with gratitude and you know when they've got mortgages they've got they've got kids in private school they got all kinds of responsibilities so we do our best by God's grace to pay people well because that's what the scripture says we're supposed to do especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. So essentially, Paul's telling Timothy, take good care, financial care of your elders, especially those who labor in the word. So kudos to Harvest Church and to the elders of Harvest Church, the board of Harvest Church. Thank you for what you do. Um, We are honored as leaders. And then 19, this is another way to honor our leaders. It says, do not listen to an accusation. So there's going to be times when you hear an accusation against an elder, dismiss it. Unless you hear it two or three times, then there might be something to it. And then at that point, maybe you come to the elder or you come to the board and you talk about it. But you, um, out of the gate though, it says, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. So it just kind of helps to honor the leadership when there's a bit the benefit of the doubt and that doesn't happen around here it's never happened around here but it's that's just what the scripture says those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church this is kind of harsh right <laughs> because we're all sinners we've all fallen short of the fall short of the glory of god but um i think probably he's talking about leaders here and honestly, thanks to social media and the world that we live in, everybody's mistakes is put out on social media and the world wide web. And so, anything that a leader does that uh, is sin or cause you know where a, a, a leader falls short, it's plastered all over all over social media anyway. So we don't even need to bring it before the whole church necessarily because oh everybody knows about it already. And uh, so we need to be careful. Um, The way that we live as leaders, those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. They will serve as a strong warning to others. And so maybe there's a time to bring up the leader who has failed. Listen, when I hear about other leaders who have failed, it sends like ice water through my veins. It is a warning. It's a strong warning to me. It's a strong warning to our team, and we talk about it. We say, man, we don't want to be uh, in trouble like this person's in trouble. God bless them, we love them, but we don't want to be in that kind of trouble. So we need to live our lives above reproach to the best of our ability by God's grace. We need to live above reproach so that we don't get ourselves into trouble. And so we talk about it. It's a strong warning. It's a strong warning. Verse 21, I solemnly command you in the presence of God. I mean, this is... command i command you in the presence of god in christ jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone paul was giving clear clear command a clear command to timothy hey this is how i'm asking you to lead this is how i'm declaring that you must lead as a pastor within the church that's why it says never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader do not share in the sins of others keep yourself pure so when we are looking for church leadership, we have to be careful and take it slowly. Other other Bibles say don't lay your hands quickly on somebody else. It means don't appoint a leader prematurely. And so we have to be careful. And sometimes that takes years before we have the chance to really feel confident and put somebody in a place of leadership. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Paul is telling timothy man your your life is to be above reproach and the leaders that you have leading with you their lives are to be above reproach i shared last week that pastors teachers of the bible we're going to incur a greater judgment from god and so we actually have to think through our lives what we teach and how we live and thank god for his grace because none of us do it perfectly but man i i don't want to i don't want to be that i don't want to be that guy I don't want to be a guy. So we're, we talk about it openly as a staff and as pastors and we hold each other accountable and I meet with other pastors and we do the same thing there. So hopefully we'll, by God's grace, we'll get through to the end of our ministries without shadows hanging over, without problems. And we'll hear when we stand before the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. Number four, take care of yourself. Talking about others, now we're, Paul, Paul's kind of focusing on Timothy here a little bit. He said, take care of yourself. Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you're sick so often. So apparently, Timothy was frail physically. He had some stomach issues, and so Paul told him to drink a little wine for his stomach. So we look at wine in the Scripture, and we can say wine is... Good and bad, or it's good or bad, or we can say all kinds of stuff. But wine obviously has medicinal purposes. Wine has got uh, is used within worship. Um, you know, people take communion with wine and bread. Uh, Jews definitely did. Um, some Protestant churches, like here, we use grape juice because we don't want to serve wine and cause somebody to stumble. So we. Uh, use grape juice as a symbol there of the lord's blood in bible in biblical times water was often scarce so wine became a necessity rather than a luxury is equated with life wine along with grain and oil represents god's covenant blessings promised to israel for obedience we also see god withholding those necessities for disobedience and so wine can be given as a gift as a blessing for obedience or withheld. disobedience additionally wine represents joy celebration and festivity expressing the abundant blessing given to us by God we also know that um, Ephesians 5 says don't be drunk with wine so if you're going to enjoy some wine God bless you in that but don't get drunk and don't cause somebody to stumble and then you're within the parameters of scripture amen Amen. lots of really practical things here in first Timothy chapter 5 Paul told Timothy, take care of yourself. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking care of yourself? Part of the way, way we take care of ourselves is we, we uh, honor the Lord and his word. So we, we, um, we take a day off every week. I know plenty of people who work seven days a week. They own their own companies and their own businesses, and they work seven days a week. Or people in the ministry, they work seven days a week. And God's made it very clear that we're to observe the Sabbath day, to take a day of rest god god modeled that in the creation account he worked six days creating the heavens and the earth and then he rested why because he was worn out from all of that work no god doesn't ever get worn out but as a model to us creation he said take a day off do something on that day that's not connected to your regular work and just take a deep breath and relax and enjoy life a little bit relax and enjoy life I, I tell the guys who are working seven days a week, I said, dude, you will get so much more accomplished if you'll take a day off every week. It's, it's like tithing. It's like you give 10% and God takes the 90% and does way more with that 90% than he could ever do with 100%. It's just a principle that God says, honor me with the way that you live your life and I will bless it. It's, a, it's an act of worship to take a day off because we're saying, God, I trust you that everything's gonna get done. As I, ref- as I obey your commands, I, I trust you that you're going to take care of everything. Uh, tithing is an act of worship. We're saying, God, I-, I trust you with my income, and so I know that you will do more with 90% uh, than I could ever do with 100%. It's just there- there's-, there's something that honors God. It's an act of worship when we do what he asks us to do. Take care of yourself. Where do you need to take care of yourself? What do you need to do? Maybe you need to do a little less. Maybe you need to refocus your priorities. Take care of yourself. Have hobbies. I love to ride my mountain bike. Don't do it as often as I should. I love to run. I've started running again. Yeah. Couldn't run. My knees were jacked up. (laughs) Then I got prayer. I. I'm telling you, God's done a work in my knees. I was able to run yesterday again, no problems. God's a a healing God. He's a restoring God. He's a faithful God. Some of us just need to exercise and walk in a little more faith with the Lord, with the the way that we're living our lives. We we hold on to everything because we don't have any faith that God will take care of us. We work every day, work every moment because we're afraid that God's not going to take care of us. We're we uh, threat, fret and worry about every relationship and every decision because we don't believe that God's speaking to us, or can speak to us, or will speak to us, and will direct us, and will will guide us, and help us, and protect us. We're just all f- full of fret and worry, anxiety. And we're thrashed because of it. God's given us life that we might; He's come that we might have life abundantly. Like like it's it's not a life of fear and fret it's a life of joy somebody asked me earlier today how you doing i said i'm i'm doing so good if i were doing any better it'd be illegal right <laughs> and I, it's all because of god's grace not because i'm some superstar i'm just i just love jesus and he loves me and i figured out man that, that serving him with my whole heart is, is where words at yeah. Amen. that's it right right it's just it's just where it's at and then when i mess up because my wife will tell me he messes up from time to time probably every day multiple times throughout the day multiple times throughout the hour, minute, whatever. <laughs> but there's grace for that as well. And just don't beat yourself up. But be, be, consecrate, consecrate, your, consecrate your life. Sanctify your life in Jesus. You'll never have greater joy. Wrapping up, number five, don't judge a book by its cover. Five steps to getting along with others. Don't judge a book by its cover. It says in verse 24, Remember the sins of some people are Obvious leading them to certain judgments. But there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. (laughs) Some are obvious. They're like, oh, he's a murderer, a thief, whatever the case may be. And then there's others whose sin is kind of hidden below the surface. And so we're not to judge a book by its cover. There are others whose sins will not be revealed until later when we stand before the the, uh, judgment seat of God and, and give an account for our lives. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. We've got a gal in our church who uh, secretly, her husband doesn't even know this. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Ah, whatever. Nobody knows who I'm talking about. (laughs) This gal shops every week for our food bank, our food pantry. She goes out and finds really good deals every week, and she'll show up midweek when nobody's around, Occasionally, I'll see her because I'm here all the time. Feels like, but uh, she'll bring in all these groceries. She'll bring all these groceries in and just d- drop them off. The good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. I'd never, I'd never tell you who she is because I don't want her blessing. I don't want, her, I don't want to blow her cover. But she is one of those people you wouldn't suspect necessarily. She's a wonderful person, but. No one knows what she's doing behind the scenes. Others seem all religious, but they're doing crazy stuff behind the scenes. Crazy bad stuff. Don't judge a book by its cover. We need discernment as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to figure people out. We need to exercise discernment and be prayerful. Five steps to getting along with others. Treat all people with respect. Take care of those truly in need. Honor your leaders. Take care of yourself and don't judge a book by its cover. With that, I'd like to invite the prayer team up. We're going to worship some more. And then I also want to invite the prayer team. So the worship team come forward and then during worship, if you'd like to receive prayer for anything, the prayer team will be up here as well. I'm up here. My wife's up here. Others are up here available to pray for you. Uh, we talked about a lot today. God's First Timothy 5 is full of stuff and uh, good stuff. And so if you've been touched or convicted or challenged or encouraged and you want some prayer, come on forward. With that, let's go ahead and stand up. And, Lord, we'll be careful to give you praise and honor and glory for everything, Jesus. For the good in our lives, Lord God, we say thank you. For the hard things, Lord, we say that you're faithful and, and uh, we can trust you, Lord. Thank you for the challenges, Lord. They, they, they always turn our attention to you if our heart's in the right place, Lord. I pray that our challenges would always turn our hearts to you, Lord God, that we would always go running to you, our Father, our friend, the Alpha and the Omega. God, that we would run to you with hearts that are pure and desiring you, Lord God, and that we would love you all the days of our lives and that we would allow you to love us all the days of our lives, Lord God. Work work a miracle in our lives today. Uh, Encourage us. Build us up in our most holy faith. Speak to us. Continue to move powerfully. We pray. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your just abundant grace. Thank you. What do you want to say thank you to the Lord about? Just maybe speak that out. Yeah, speak it out. I want to be able to hear you. Go ahead and say it out loud. Uh, mm. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Lord. What else? What are you thankful for? Healing, yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for healing, Gene, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you for that humbling thing. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for freedom. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your great kindness and patience, your faithfulness. I'm thankful for my wife. Thankful for my kids. Thankful for my parents. Thankful for my life, Lord. Thankful, Jesus. to worship in spirit and in truth, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
1: Amen.
3: stand firm in your love for us in the presence of our enemies and hardship and trials that you carry us through and so we thank you for your presence here with us today thank you for all the work that you've done in our hearts and pray that you would just seal it upon our hearts God that we would walk into this week different, changed because we've been in your presence thank you for this time we love you and give you all the glory all the praise It all belongs to you Jesus in your precious name Amen.